Now it happened when he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And so it was that as they went on their way, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And this man was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Where were they not ten that were cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? As we look at this text on this morning, just for a few minutes, I want to encourage us from this brief thought, I'm just here to give God thanks. I'm just here to give God thanks. This is a familiar text unto us, and as we think about this text, obviously the elephant in the room is the disease that these ten men would have had. What's interesting about this disease is this disease, known as leprosy, commonly referred to today as Hansen's disease, was at, at this time very difficult to diagnose, but even more so, it was even that much more difficult to heal, to treat, and to deal with. Oftentimes in the ancient world, the, the concept or the idea of somebody receiving uh, or being infected by leprosy was, was deemed as an act of God himself where God would have been the one to have imparted this particular disease or impediment on this particular person. And as a result of this, the, the truth would be that for, for, for somebody to, to believe that healing could have been had, that, that the only real healing could have been divinely done by some form of deity. So human beings, as they would, they would treat these individuals who were leprous, they, they didn't necessarily see themselves as having a treatment or having some ability to heal. No, no, no. They did their best to keep these individuals comfortable and as clean as they possibly can. But healing in their minds only came from Almighty God. Here it is, Jesus encounters these men that were laden with this particular ailment, this disease. Leprosy was known to not only defile a human being, leprosy also caused an individual to be distanced from the rest of society. Not only did it defile and, and not only did it cause distance, but it also doomed everyone particularly that was infected by it. It is used in scripture as a clear picture of sin and its impact on the human race. 
So I want us to consider for a minute what this would have meant for, for these men. It would have meant that they couldn't go to synagogue. They, they couldn't enjoy social gatherings. They, they couldn't go to workplaces. They, they couldn't go and be around family. They, they couldn't assemble with their brethren because to be in a place as being a leper in the Jewish community was to contaminate and defile the area uh, in, in which uh, a, leper, a leper was in. And so if a leper were to stand under a tree, for example, then anybody else that would come after that and be in that same space would effectively have become unclean. If a leper were to, to brush alongside somebody, it would have made that person unclean. If a leper were to sit on a bench, it would make the bench unclean. I'm just saying it, it caused defilement, and as a result of the defilement, it created some separation between the infected person and everybody else. These lepers had to spend their lives, therefore, on the fringes, living between the margins and the fringes of society. It was, and I don't want you to think about COVID when I say this because it's, it's, it's just become a thing, but they would have to stand a minimum of six feet away and if they were in a crowd they would have to yell and scream to the top of their voices unclean 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 they would wear robes that were torn and they would grow their hair out their countenance would be different from the average person in society in, in other words it was written and done in such a way that you know you knew for sure that this person we were supposed to stay away from yet as you think about leprosy Distancing these individuals and isolating these individuals from their families and from their communities and from their people groups. At the same time, it also placed every single leper in his or her community on the same playing field. You see, prior to them having leprosy, the Jews would have had an issue with Samaritans. Prior to them having leprosy, certain people groups didn't make, mix with other people groups. Prior to leprosy, they, they, they were impartial to their own people and to their own religion. But when they received leprosy, it didn't matter what your religion was. It didn't matter what your background was. It didn't matter what your socioeconomic status was. We were all a part of the leprous community. So here it is, Jesus finds these 10 individuals and we recognize within the context of our, of, of our scripture here, we recognize that this one who came back, the one who recognized the beauty of what took place, he came back and the scripture is clear, Luke is clear, the Holy Spirit is clear in identifying that this man was a foreigner, he was a Samaritan. Which gives the implication, if you follow the implication in the text, that the other nine were Jews. So here it is under a situation where they were all mad and scarred and infected by the same disease. All of a sudden when they were infected, they were good enough to dwell together. But when they, are, when they were healed or when they are healed, no, we can't have or share the same space. If, if leprosy is in fact a clear picture of what sin does, then the truth is sin puts us all on the same page. 
I love the fact that Paul would say that there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female. And he is talking about this within the relationship and the confines of being in Jesus Christ. But he also wants them to understand that the reason why we are all the same is because we all suffer from the same thing. To be a leper was to be considered in, in Jewish antiquity as one who was a living dead. I don't know about you, but when you think about what sin would have done to our lives, we were as people who are alive, but while we were alive, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, but for the person of Jesus Christ. We were isolated from God. We, we were defiled in our spirits and we were doomed to go to a devil's hell. But for Jesus Christ, we now have life. But for Jesus Christ, we have now been healed. But for Jesus Christ, we have now been cleansed. I, I, I love that because the difference between leprosy and all the other ailments that you see Jesus would have healed is that all of the other uh, ailments had to be healed, but only leprosy needed to be cleansed. You didn't just heal somebody of leprosy. You had to cleanse that person in order for them to, to, to re-engage with their society. So you could heal that person with a, a gimpy hand, or you could heal a person with, with a paralyzed back, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are cleansed from their sins. The reason why I think this becomes important to us is because as we think about the reality of them being on the fringes and being on the margins, here's my question. If they lived on the outskirts of society, if they were away from the masses, if, if they had to distance themselves from the community, then how in the world did they hear about Jesus or did they even know who Jesus was? Here is what I want to show us before we make our way to a quick conclusion. As we think about the reality of word passing through the area, think about what Luke would have done before he made his way into Luke chapter number 17. That's where our text is taken from, Luke chapter number 17, verses 11 through 19. But look at all of the things that would have happened prior to Luke chapter number 17 with these 10 lepers. Maybe, maybe, maybe they would have heard about Jesus feeding the 5,000 individuals with five loaves and two fishes. That might have stirred them and moved them to find out who this Jesus character was. Maybe they heard about him healing the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. That might have stirred them to find out a little bit more about who Jesus was. Maybe they heard how he brought Jairus' daughter back to life. Or, or maybe they heard that he helped a man that, that, that had a demon in him and, and brought him back to his mind and his good living. Maybe they heard how he raised the widow's son at Nain. Jesus and his disciples are, are passing through this particular area and, and there is a, a funeral procession in place. The casket is open and they are walking the body, the corpse, to its final destination of resting place. And, and as Jesus is, is walking through, he, he witnesses this weeping widow, this, this mother. She, she doesn't have anybody to take care of her. Her son was her last chance. And here it is as Jesus sees what is taking place. The scripture says he has compassion on this woman and he says, do not weep. 
he looks at the casket and he says, you get up and you walk, young boy. I, Daniel, I don't know about you, but if, if I'm in a funeral, call me faithless all you want. If I am in a funeral, and you know how we do it now where you open the casket sometime for the family to take, make the final viewing? If while I'm walking there to view my loved one, and I see that body raise up, brother man, I'm out of there. <laughs> Call me faithless all you want. But understand the magnitude of what has taken place. The boy is dead, and Jesus looks in the, co in, 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 in the casket, and he says to the lad, you get up and start walking. So maybe they would have heard about this widow's son that was, maybe they heard about the centurion's son who was made whole. Or maybe they heard about the healing and forgiveness that he offered to a lame man that was brought to him through some other men. But here's the thing. I think there is one account in the book of Luke, and this is the crux of my message. I think there is one account missing from the list of things I just gave. You see, if, 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 if I am in trouble and I am struggling, or if I am in need, I need to know that the God that you claim could deal with my circumstance has a track record of dealing with a similar situation. Don't get me wrong, if I'm an alcoholic, brother, and, and, and God did something for you in your marriage, I'm happy for you, but I need to know that this God that you claim to serve has the power to change my life based on my circumstance and situation. I'm, I'm glad that God was able to do something for you in, in your situation and in, in your circumstance, but I need to know that in whatever I'm going through, there was somebody out there somewhere that God was able to touch and heal and cleanse similar to me so that I could be assured that if he could do it for you, he could do it for me. So in Luke chapter number five, Luke, Luke mentions, and I want you to see this really quick. I promise you, this is the crux of my message. And in Luke chapter five, reading from verse number 12, in one of the villages, my voice is almost gone, so I couldn't go any further even if I wanted. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case. Notice the wording. An advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you could heal, watch this, and make me clean. It's not just the healing that I need. It's the cleansing. Because if you heal me, that might suffice outwardly. But if you cleanse me, that's what I need internally. If you heal me, that's as good as me saying I repent but for time. But what profit is it if my heart is still tainted? You, you guys with me? It, if, if, you just, if you just touch the extremities of my situation, then all that might mean is you might, you might clean up my speech. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that you clean up my thoughts. You guys with me? He said, if you will, Master, I, 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 I would love for you to not just heal me. People of God, the people of today don't just need healing. The people of God still need cleansing. Because you and I do good at putting on a good show on the outward. But see me where nobody sees me but God and I don't look like this. You and I put on a good show to talk and smile at each other's faces. Ha ha ha. But we ill speak each other around the table. You and I do a good job to sing flowery songs when we gather like this on Sunday morning. But then we... So we don't just need healing. We need cleansing. I don't just want you to take away this urge. I, I don't just want to stop drinking the bottle. I want you to take away the urge for it. I don't just want to stop looking at pornography today. I want you to take away the lust for it. I don't just want you to help me learn how to navigate my tongue, God. I need for you to take my mind and grasp it. Don't just heal me. Cleanse me. So here it is we find in this particular text. I promise you this is it. Thomas, get ready. This is it. He says, Jesus reached out to him and touched him. He said, I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Verse number 14, then Jesus instructed him. This is key. This is key. Don't miss this. Jesus then instructed him not to tell anyone what happened. Well, look at verse number 15. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to heal their diseases. If ever there was a time to disobey Jesus, if ever there was a time to be defiant to Jesus is in sharing your testimony with others as to what God has done for you. If ever there was a time to be disobedient, it is in sharing what God has done for you in your life. And I want to conclude, I believe, more than any of the other accounts that we find in the Gospel of Luke, I believe it's Luke chapter 5, where Jesus deals and heals and cleanses this leprous man, is what gave these 10 lepers the self-awareness and the ability and the faith to say if he could have done it for them, then he could do it for me. Because here's the thing, as human beings, where we love familiarity. It's, it's the reason why we, we like the music that we like. It's the reason why we, we love to watch the movies that we love, because we like to see ourselves in the characters. And so something that seems familiar creates a better connection for us. Let me see if I can illustrate this and I'll be done. Thomas, get up. I'm done. Anybody here ever seen the movie Roots? Roots. Show by a raise of hands. Roots. How many times have you seen the movie Roots? Once? Once. Just once. That's all. Anybody here ever seen the movie Amistad? 
Terrible, right? But I, I can guarantee you I've watched Amistad more than once. Because you, you want to see yourself in the characters. So what one person might grimace at, a next person would look over and over and over and over again. Who doesn't like Obi-Wan Kenobi? Who doesn't like Superman or Spider-Man to see yourself in those characters, right? We like familiarity. So if God could be proven to save a drunkard over there, then I could conclude that if he could do it for the drunkard over there, he could do it for the drunkard over here. If God could save the leper over there, then I could conclude that he has the ability and power to save the leper over here. You see it now? So the reason why they were so gung-ho to look for Jesus was because if Jesus could have done it for one leper, he could do it for me. That should tell us that if Jesus could do it for one sinner over there, he could do it for you. What is your situation? What is your ailment? What is your circumstance? Are you dealing with marital issues? Are you going through depression, anxiety? Have you, are you going through a divorce? What is your situation or your circumstance? And just understand that as you look across the aisle, you would see people whose marriages God was able to bring back. So that's hope. You've seen people across the aisle who, even after they've been divorced, God was able to lift them up and as a single mother or as a single father, give them the strength to continue walking this life. That should give you hope. You've lost a loved one, but there are other people on the other aisles who, who are showcasing to you that God has the ability to give you the strength to lift you up, to keep on walking. You guys with me? Whatever your ailment, your struggle or situation, there is somebody out there that God has already healed and cleansed. And so that should give you pause to say, if he could have done it for them, he could do it for me. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing these songs. I'm going to ask you to stand. But as you get, get ready to sing these songs and as we get ready to offer this prayer time, I want you to take a good look at what God has done for you in your own life. Because here's what I want us to see. That I don't want us to focus on the nine who didn't come back. That's too obvious. I want us to focus on the one who did. Let's stop focusing for a moment on the negative. Yeah, nine people didn't come back. Oh, they're going to have to deal with that on Judgment Day. But let's focus on the positive. The one who did. Because I could guarantee you the, the message here is not so much that they didn't come back. The message here is the attitude of gratitude. So this man, he, before he makes his way to show his praise, Remember, he's a Samaritan, so he's not going down to Jerusalem. He's, he's going to a different place. He has to show his priest to declare himself whole again so that he could re-engage in his community. Before he even makes it there, he realizes that he has been healed. He says, no, 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 I'm still going to go there. But before I go there and I conclude his instructions, let me go back and show him my attitude of gratitude. This man starts screaming at Jesus. The same way, here's, can I just say this before I ask you to sing? 
the same intensity. Don't, don't, don't let us be lost on you, church. The same intensity that you are praying for deliverance ought to be the same intensity that you offer your praise. Let me repeat that one more time. That was good. The same intensity and energy that you offer up in praying for deliverance and cleansing and healing ought to be the same energy that you offer up in giving your praise of thanksgiving. So he screamed out at the beginning, Lord, Master, have mercy on us. But now he's running back and he's screaming at Jesus, glorifying his name. And he gets to the point where he comes down to his feet and he prostrates himself. He bows his face into the dirt, signifying that I have submitted my entire existence to you. What has God healed you from? What has God cleansed you from? And recognize that every time you recall the goodness of God is a good opportunity for you and I to simply say, thank you, Lord. Could you repeat that? Thank you, Lord. Every time you think about the fact that he was the one that woke you up this morning, we ought to say, thank you, God. Every time we think of the fact that he kept our family safe, when, when other people around us are experiencing calamity, we ought to say, thank you, Lord. Every time we think about the goodness of God, we ought to say, thank you, God. Church, that's all I have for you. I'm done. But let's always have an attitude of gratitude. Would you just 